Good morning, everybody, family, friends, first-time attenders, regular people, people that are not regular, just stumbled onto this. We welcome all of you today to the Digital Cathedral. This is going to be a fun morning today because I want to talk to you specifically about accelerating your spiritual growth, how we can jumpstart our spiritual growth, and not only how we can jumpstart our spiritual growth, but what's the, what's the focus of the growth that we're experiencing? And there's no question about it today. There's so much that's going on in the realm of the spirit. So many discoveries, so much revelation, so much that's, that's being presented to us. I want us, to, I want us to be able to take it in. I want us to be wise in taking it in. And I think that we need to understand what's the purpose of the growth that we're presently experiencing. Very few of us here at the Digital Cathedral, when we look back at our life, can can say that this has not been a time of tremendous acceleration in our spiritual understanding, spiritual insight, and spiritual growth. We're not the same people that we were 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, maybe six months ago. It has been that radical. People in the past had very little um, parameters through which they grew. You know, if, you're, if your granddaddy was a fundamentalist Baptist and your daddy was a fundamentalist Baptist, they pretty much believed the same thing. Walked down the same trail, had the same understanding, read scripture the same way, didn't read anything outside of what a good fundamentalist Baptist would read, and that was their life. That's not the case today. We've broken out of the box. There are people all over the planet that are experiencing exponential spiritual growth. I want to help you jumpstart that today. If you feel you're a little slow on the draw, that you're not growing <clears throat> quite as quick as you want to be, i got a couple of practical things I want to um, give to you. And then I want to talk to you about what we do with what we got. Fair enough? Let's look at a couple of verses from Peter just to get our thinking in the right direction this morning. I want to start over at First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. A couple of verses, from one from 1 Peter, one from 2 Peter, where Peter's encouraging us to grow, that we shouldn't remain stagnant. He says, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. He says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If ever there has been a pure milk of the word coming forth, I think it's in our day. Uh, it's, we went, we've gone through a long history of the word, I think, being distorted. Uh, of the word only being limited to what is in the King James Bible or Scripture. But I think we're getting some pure word today. So he says, as newborn babes, anything babes want, brand new baby, it's milk. So he says in verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Man, my appetite is whetted. That's, I have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's better than I ever thought he was. Father's better than I ever thought he was. He's not, not the God I grew up with. I've become a total unbeliever in that God. Jesus has totally revamped my impression of what the Father is all about. So Peter's encouraging these people. In verse 2, he said, listen guys, I want you like a brand new baby. I want you to desire that you get the pure word of God. Then he says in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, let me just get over there real quick. This is the last verse that he writes. So, you know, this is something he wants, wants them to keep in mind. It's, a, it's the last little nugget he's going to drop on them. So he says in verse 18, 2 Peter chapter 3, he said, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
I want you to grow, Peter said, in the grace and the knowledge, the revelation, the understanding. Um, I want you to expand your perception, your consciousness, and do that along with understanding what grace is. Man, it's so important that we don't let go of what grace is. It's so important that we know that grace is apart from works, that it's a divine influence that produces effortless change. Grace people change. Grace people don't remain the same. Grace people are not stagnant. Their lives are continually evolving, not, on, not based on their righteousness or their good actions or what they do. It, it's, it's based on resting in the Father and that influence that works within us that is divine in nature, it's, a, it's his divine nature touching our divine nature. And when those two meet, I'm telling you what, sparks fly and change happens. Now, one of the keys to growth that I'm just going to lay right out here at the front is very simple. Very simple. I've discovered this. I, 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 I still continually work with this. It's hard sometimes. It, it's simple, but it's a huge key. Yet in many of us, it's hard to utilize. But I'm telling you, what I'm about to tell you is going to unlock in many cases, the door of revelation and growth as you manifest as a son or manifest as a daughter. Now, if I talk about manifesting sons this morning, I'm not limiting that by any way, any stretch of the imagination to males. Manifesting sons are males and females that are growing in maturity and understanding, or like, like Peter said, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, one of the strong keys is this, and I want you to discover this for yourself this morning. I want you to put this one to the test. All right, here's the key. When you listen to a teaching, or you read a book, or you attend a conference, or you watch a YouTube video, I try to watch, I try to watch YouTube videos a lot because there's a lot of good stuff out there. I try to stay up on what books are coming out. And my, if I, over to my right, I can't show you here, but I've probably got 20 books that I've, I've purchased I hadn't even gotten into yet, but all of them contain great stuff. But when you listen to a teaching, go to a conference, read a book, uh, watch a YouTube video. Here's what I want you to do. This is a key to growth. I want you to lay aside, just for the present time, just, just for a little bit, I want you to lay aside all of your former beliefs just for the time being, and I want you to set the filter aside through which you, have, which you normally judge everything that you read or see or hear. Now, it's really, really important you do that. When you're reading a book, and I read wide. I read a lot of stuff that I, I, I don't grab onto. It doesn't resonate with me. I'm not saying it's not true. It doesn't resonate with me, at least at where I'm at in my journey and my walk right now. I just set it aside. But I have learned, I've learned to set aside my beliefs when I, when I am coming to a place to explore. And I'm big on exploring. I'm, I'm big on encouraging people to read wide. Uh, don't don't just read people that you know agree with you or you agree with them. That's been our case in the past. I mentioned a few minutes ago, if your granddaddy was a fundamentalist Baptist and your daddy was a fundamentalist Baptist and you were a fundamentalist Baptist, chances are all three generations believed and practiced just about the same thing. That's not true today. And part of it is because of the revelation of truth that is springing forth. And the other thing is because now we have opened ourselves to some things that we never would have considered before because on the surface, it did not appear to agree with what our established belief system was, so we just poo-pooed it away. I'm encouraging you to read wide, and I'm encouraging you to set the filter down through which you have read and viewed everything up to this point in your life. See what the spirit of truth might show you. 
there have been times I've read something and I go, oh man, I don't, I don't know about that. And I, I just take it in and I contemplate it. And out of that springs another thought or another insight that I really latch onto. The spirit of truth is not confined in just exposing and showing what it is you're reading or listening to or what you're contemplating. He can, he can just shift it a little bit and show you something that you are prepared to hear that you never would have grasped if you had not have been open and willing to at least explore some things outside your present, your present um, comfort zone. Uh, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at quite a bit of scripture this morning, if that's all right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, this is a great attitude to have. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted. And that, that, word, that word converted, um, it's, it's the word strepho. And it means unless there is a dramatic change, that there's an opposite course of action. Not just metanoia, not just a repentance in your mind, not just a changing in your mind, but a dramatic change where you were walking this way, now you're walking that way. He said, surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, the word children there is pation, it's a toddler, it's, it's you know, seven, eight, nine years old, younger than that, probably three, four, two, three, four years old. It's not a, a newborn babe, it's not a napias that's still drinking bottled milk. It start, you're starting to walk, you're starting to explore, you're starting to climb on chairs and get into, into things you shouldn't be getting into. He said, that's what you need to be like, inquisitive, asking questions. He said, unless you become like that, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. You're not going to knock at the door. You're not going to explore. You're not going to ask the questions. You're not going to read. You're not going to ponder, meditate, anything outside of what your, your current status quo is. He said, that's the way you enter the kingdom, like a child. Therefore, or the, 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 the conclusion of that, or the result of that, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now that word greatest, I don't like that word greatest because it sounds competitive. It sounds like you and I are vying for a position. That's not what the word greatest means there. It actually means mighty or strong. So let me just plug, let me plug those two words in there. Let me back up to verse three. I say to you, unless you are a strong change of directions, opposite, dramatic change, you're not going to enter the kingdom. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as a little child, inquisitive, ask questions, willing to explore, he said that one is going to become mighty and is going to become strong in the kingdom. I don't know where you sit, but I want to become strong in the kingdom. I, 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 love, this, I love the kingdom message. And I love the fact that we have not delved to the depths of the kingdom message yet. I don't think we have near explored what is all involved in the kingdom, but we're learning we're, because we're hungry like children. I, in another way of expressing it, Jesus said, he said, doesn't do any use to put new wine into old wine skins unless you're converted, unless you change direction, have strong, strong feelings that you need to head in, in another way because of what's been revealed to you through books you read, seminars you go to, conferences, YouTube videos, or just plain flat out Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth, pulling the blinders off and, and showing you. He said, unless that happens and you're willing to enter in that way, he said, you're not gonna become strong and mighty in the kingdom. It doesn't do any good to take old wine, put it into new wineskins. If, if, you're, if you're not at least open 
And that's what I'm trying to do the first part of the teaching this morning is to just challenge you to open the door a crack. I'm just challenging you to watch some things, read some things that on the surface, come on, break out of that Baptist mode, that charismatic Pentecostal holiness mode and move outside. It's a big world out there, y'all, all y'all. It's a big world out there, a lot of truth out there, and you need to explore it, and you need to bring it in, and you need to just take a look at it. Why is, it, why is that important? Why is it important that you drop the filter and you begin to look, not through prejudiced eyes? I'll tell you why. Because most of us still feel on some level that we're controlled either by our flesh or by our mind, and we don't have confidence in our spirit. We're afraid we're going to get deceived, afraid we're going to get tricked, afraid we're going to fall into something that is, that is in error. Let me just remove that from you. you. You may read something and you may head off on a little tangent for a little while, but let me tell you the strength of the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is like a GPS. You make a wrong turn, he's going to take you down like a GPS. The other day I was driving and, and I missed my turn. GPS said, go down 200 feet, make a U-turn. It brings you right back to the path that you need to take. That's exactly what the spirit of truth is. It's time we, it's time we drop this fear of deception. If you're, if you're fearing deception, you're already deceived. Don't fear it. The, the spirit of truth lives within you and will guide you and lead you into all truth. So what, I, what I'm saying is this. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 1.13. You've been delivered from that kingdom. You're not in that kingdom of darkness. He's translated you. I like that word translate. He, he's picked you up and snapped you, shifted you into another kingdom. And that's the kingdom of light. The spirit of truth will begin to shine light on things. We need, we need a radical mind change and we need a life change. We need a shift. Just like the children of Israel had to shift when they came out of the bondage that they were in in Egypt. Some of us don't even realize there are still little clings of bondage that we have. And part of it revolves around this fact that we're not willing to, to, to look at something with an unprejudiced, with an un, un, unjohnest eye, with a view, and drop the filter and just take, take it in for what it's worth. Take it in for what it's worth. Think about it. Roll it over. Let the spirit of truth help you to mull it. When the children of Israel came out of bondage, and think about this, they were in bondage 400 years. 400 years. That would be like today going back to 16, what, 1622. 1622. I, I, I don't even know what was going on in the 1600s. I can't tell you, but I know it's, it's a long time ago. Our country's only a little over a couple hundred years old. And so when you go back 400 years and your entire your entire generational line goes back there. Can you see how things have been handed down from the 1600s? I think it was probably in the 1600s that the first slaves were brought to this country. It was when, uh, I think that's about the time Shakespeare died in the 1600s. A lot took place in that time frame, but it's, it seems like ancient history. We don't, we don't relate to it very well, but the truth is a lot of things were ingrained within culture, within society that that have been passed down and the children of Israel, I'm trying to make the point, children of Israel were in bondage that long, they were ensnared that deep. So when God sends Moses, God speaks to Moses in Exodus chapter three and verse seven. There's a whole lot of truth in, in these two verses. God's speaking to Moses and he says this, Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. 
and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. He was coming down in the form of Moses. Put, put that in the back of the computer for just a minute. And to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses got a vision of that. To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And probably about that time Moses got uptight because he goes, I, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not able to do it. What, what God is saying to Moses right there, I think expresses, listen to me carefully, expresses to a T the attitude of the Father toward all of creation that is especially being expressed today. The Father, the Father looks out upon our culture and he looks out through our eyes at what we see. He lives within us. We're the temple. He's looking out through your eyes. He sees the bondage. Some of us see the injustice. We see the things that are not right. And he's preparing the deliverer. Our manifestation as sons and daughters of God is for one thing. It's to deliver creation from its bondage out of Egypt. And what I'm submitting to you this morning is very simple. That in the, that in the mindset some of us still carry, because we're unwilling to look at things with an, with an unbiased view, we're will, are not willing to explore out, not willing to look at, uh, at some things you know, that, are, that are currently breaking forth, some powerful things, we're not willing to look at it and at least ponder it, not look at it through the filter that we've always looked through. Our, our development as the delivers, what is it? Romans 5.18, something like that, that all creation groans, looks for the manifestation of the sons of God. We slow the process now. The process with Moses was accelerated. And I'm trying to give you something this morning that will accelerate your spiritual growth when I suggest to you that you, that you don't um, look at everything you read, everything that you hear, everything you go to. You don't automatically judge it. Don't automatically dismiss it. Take it in. You know, quantum physics is a tremendous area. Uh, I, I encourage people, go listen to Steve McVeigh in quantum physics. Go down and listen to Malcolm Smith. Those two guys are probably my best buds on the planet right now. And they're bringing some awesome truth. Some awesome truth. And you need to tap into it. The manifestation of the sons of God is for a purpose. So our growth is for a purpose. It's to deliver creation from bondage. And the bondage that people are in today is basically ignorance. It's darkness living in half-truths. Um, people have learned to live with religious fear, intimidation, control, just accepted it, that's the way it is. It's like, it's a taskmaster that just holds a whip over us. Sickness holds a whip over us, tells you you'll never get out of sickness. Ignorance, hurts, uh, sorrows, depressions, poverty, all those things are taskmasters that have attached themselves to the backs of the people of God with whips. And I'm telling you something, God's trying to bring us out of this. And you're on the front line of being a reformer, a deliverer, a manifesting son of God. Father is working as you. He is seeing through your eyes. Your sensitivity of sight right now is really the Father's sensitivity of sight. And he's bringing creation into a land that flows with milk and honey. He's let me, let me say it like this. That, that seems like an Old Testament terminology. He's fulfilling the prayer of Jesus that heaven and earth become one. We're seeing the merging of two dimensions today, of spirit and natural. There's more being brought to us 
in the in the spirit through quantum physics and other means right now science that we've never explored but it's it's a way the father is beginning to entangle you need to under get familiar with that word he's entangling the spirit and the natural so that we can function and flow back and forth in them like Jesus did now at some point there's going to be a, a tipping point at some point all of humanity's going to get tired of the nonsense going to get tired of eating the husks down in the pig pen and they're going to long to come back to the father's house the father's going to deposit something within the the, the heart of humanity heart the spirit of humanity that when the call comes out of your mouth because he's prepared you as a deliverer and he's saying to you, I, I see the cries of my people. I hear their sorrows. I see the taskmasters. It's time for you to go and deliver creation from its ignorance, from its darkness, from its bondage, from, its, from the half-truths that have ensnared it forever. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 11, Paul tells us this very thing shall take place and has progressively been happening since the time of Paul. Romans chapter 14, verse 11. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. That means they're coming into recognition. doesn't mean he beats you into subservience. It means you're coming into recognition. And every tongue shall confess to God. I think that's such an important scripture. Now, now I notice in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, 8 that we read, I noticed that he gave Moses a vision of the promised land, what it looks like. Some of it was positive, some a little bit negative. I guess we could term negative. He said, first of all, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take them into the land. You're going to deliver them. You're going to lead them into a land, and he plants a vision that flows with milk and honey. Good land, prosperous land. Now, maybe on the negative, he said it's going to be the land of the Jebusites, the Hivites, the, you know, all the all the ites are still are in that land, and they're not going to, they're not going to like it when you come invade the land. They're going to try to drive you out. And that that's that's, what hap that's what's happening today. God is revealing to us the kingdom. We're seeing the kingdom. And God is saying it's a, it's a great place. He's giving us a vision of it. But just like Moses, listen to me. Look me right in the eye. We can't take people any farther into the promised land than what we have been willing to go in ourselves. And we're never going to be able to explore the promised land with just the resources that we used yesterday. The Father's making new resources available to us. We need to take advantage of them. Moses had to get a vision of what was in the promised land of good, the milk and honey, but also the adversary that was there that needed to be driven out. Now I'm going to tell you something. It's a little bit tough to swallow. It's going to probably mess you up a little bit. Maybe even go against a little bit of your charismatic background. Somewhere in the journey, Somewhere in the journey, your human consciousness, your mindfulness, your perception has got to come to a place that it bows its knee to the spirit man that is within. The spirit has got to take control of your life. Your soul cannot control you any longer. Flesh is not to control. F the f flesh doesn't have any power of its own. It waits for a directive from the spirit or the soul. If your soul is stronger than what you think, what you feel, what, what you hear is going to tell the flesh what to do. If your spirit is stronger, then you're going to listen to the voice that is within and it will give the spirit direction. Jesus had a strong spirit. He said, I've only come to do what I see the Father do. I've only come to say what I hear the Father say. He was spirit directed. Paul said, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are 
the sons of God. So knowing that spirit man is the Christ that is within. That's the mind that we live out of. That's the direction that we learn to follow. And, and, and there's a powerful benefit to that. It, it means that we're never by ourselves. Moses was never by himself. The, the father was always with him. I am that I am went with I am. Moses said, I am, I am here to deliver the people and I am that I am has sent me. I am that I am has sent you and you're the, you're the fullness of your I amness in his I am that I am. He's always with you and I think that's an important part for us to always remember that as, this, as the Christ within gains ascendancy and the mind of Christ is the one from which we think and the spirit within is what, what leads us. It's, it's a testimony of the fact that we're never by ourselves. We're never facing obstacles by ourselves. Recognize, I want you to recognize this morning that whatever life throws your way, and I'm talking to some of you this morning that you're facing some obstacles, understand it, some challenges. Maybe with your spouse, your children, maybe your own self, your job, your business. You're facing some challenges. You don't face those challenges by yourself. If you feel like you're all alone, you need to back up. Listen to what I'm telling you this morning. You're never alone. At some point in your life, the spirit within is going to step forward. And this is why learning and looking outside the box that you're accustomed to, if, if, if you haven't already, is why it's important because you're going to see some things you never saw before. And it's going to help that spirit to step to the forefront. Uh, you're manifesting some, therefore you need to be led by the spirit. So no, no matter what comes, you know you're not in it by yourself. I never leave you, never forsake you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, right? Now, whenever I get to feeling a little bit blue, <laughs> feeling like, man, this stuff's heavy. I, I, I don't know if, how much further I want to track with this. You get pushback from people. I, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. And I read this once in a while just to remind myself, look, bud, you don't know what adversity is. He says, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Nobody's ever whipped this boy's back. Nobody's ever taken rods to me. I've never been stoned. The worst that I've had is a mean comment on Facebook. A, you know, a, 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 a mean Google review on something or found out I'm a heretic on Google. That's, that's the toughest thing most of us ever have to face. Five times I received, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. I have never bobbed out in the ocean wondering what kind of shark is circling me. I've never been out there by myself a day and a night. In journeys often, in perils and waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. This dude faced a lot of perils. A lot of pushback, a lot of adversity. And if Paul had have ever thought he was by himself in this, he never would have survived, never would have made it. In weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, hunger, thirst, fastings often, and I don't think those were fasts that he wanted to be on. In cold, in nakedness, and beside the other things, what comes on me daily, my anxiety for all the churches, so Paul is saying, man, I'm facing all this adversity from without. Then I got this emotional push from within, 
which is the care of all these churches breathing down my neck with the Judaizers following in, telling them I'm a heretic, a false teacher, don't believe what I'm teaching. You're not by yourself. Let me encourage you that you're not by yourself. You're not alone. Paul, Paul faced some, some unbelievable stuff. Then over in the, the 12th chapter and verse 10, you all know this one. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. When's the last time you took pleasure in a weakness? in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For when I am weak, boy, this is, this is a strong spiritual insight here. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, all things work together for good to those that love God. Do you love God today? I know you do. You wouldn't be here at the digital cathedral if you weren't wanting to know more. He said, just stand back, watch everything work out for your betterment. I told you I wasn't going to like this. I told you some of this is, you know, when you get to be led, led in directions that you're not accustomed to going, some of this is going to come up. But before you reach the totally possessed land of milk and honey, before you totally see the manifestation of the kingdom, your manifestation as the Son of God, I want you to know that sometimes, and I, I, I'm saying sometimes, sometimes that fullness is going to come. Sometimes that next step of maturity is going to come when you face a little bit of adversity. And most people I know can't even stand a Facebook criticism. They get all bent out of shape when somebody opposes them. They make a, a post on a revelation. They've spent hours pondering and some joker off the top of his head sees it through the filter he's always believed and rebukes and rebuffs. Then you got a choice. Do you go into argument or you just let the guy alone and let him learn? Moses was prepared. You know what prepared Moses? The tending of, of stinky old sheep on the backside of the desert. What prepared Moses was the face, was the confrontation face to face that he had with Pharaoh. It was trusting that God, what God told him, I am with you. I am with you. And Exodus, and he was prepared so that when the time came in Exodus chapter 14, let, let me just read this to you. Exodus chapter 14, you know, they they they're being chased by the Egyptians. And they, 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 they're outrunning them, but they've come to a place. They, they've come to a place now where they're facing the Red Sea. And so Moses says this. I'm telling you, he never could have said this if he was not fully prepared. He says, let me make sure my mic's in. Yeah, okay. He says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Now, this is bold, man. This is bold. I want you to put yourself in this situation. You look back, the Egyptians are coming on horses. You look in front of you, there's the Red Sea. You look all around, you're surrounded by a couple million people that are looking to you to be the leader. Now, if you have not been prepared, if you've not jumped out of the box more than once, Moses went to the burning bush. That put him outside the box. Moses went to Pharaoh. That put him outside the box. He had not had any contact with Pharaoh. He had left the country and been out in the desert, out in the wilderness for 40 years. He had to jump out of his comfort zone. I'm pushing you out of the comfort zone this morning. And for us, that means that we give uh, at least some space to things we haven't heard, that we haven't thought about, haven't contemplated, and we just don't poo-poo them away. We listen. He says, don't be afraid, stand still and watch the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more 
forever. I'm telling you what, that is bold. That is strong. Moses could say that. Let me just say, let me emphasize this again. Moses could say that because he had come through times that it seemed like there was nobody with him except God. There was nobody with him. Now, I'm not one, if you've been around me long enough, I'm not one of those guys that tell you you're never going to face a challenge, you're never going to have a difficulty, life's never going to throw you a curveball, you're never going to stand before your Red Sea and feel like, man, I got no strength for this, I got no answer for this, God, if you don't come through, we're not going to make it. I'm not one of those guys that say you're never going to face that. You will face it because it's part of our preparation. Now, you may not. You may not because the Father knows how to develop each of us. Father knows how to develop each of us. And keep in mind, all things work together for good. Do you believe that? Cling on to that. Hang on to that. Stand back. Look for the salvation of the Lord. Look to see those Egyptians no more. Jesus told us this in John chapter 16, in verse 33. Jesus says this, These things I've spoken to you, watch, that in me you may have peace. So I don't, want, I don't want to have anything that's not peace. So I'm staying in him. Now, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. If you're facing tribulation in the world, what's the answer to that? It's to stay in peace by understanding that you're in Christ. That Christ is in you. Are, are, are you tracking with me this morning? The way you stay in peace is to recognize you're in Christedness. And don't let what goes on in the world, because in the world you're going to have pushback. I think that's the key Paul hit. All those things we read from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, all those adversities, Paul stood back. He, the, the, one of the two greatest revelations I think Paul had was that Christ was in us. He said, when it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal the Christ in me. I think Paul had a Christ consciousness. And I think that is such a big key. And some of the things you're going to read, some things you're going to look at, some of the videos or conferences you go to are designed to increase your Christ consciousness. And I like that. Jesus said, when Jesus prayed in, in um, John chapter 17, along about verse 15, he said, Father, I don't pray that you take him out of the world, knowing that in the world you'll have tribulation. I pray that you keep him from the evil. And the way you are kept from the evil is by remaining in peace in him. Don't come out of it. Don't take a step out of that peace. Part of your call as a reformer, part of your call as a trailblazer, as a manifesting son, is learning, listen to me, is learning how to stand alone, how to stand by yourself. If you've never been in that position, you don't know what I'm talking about. When you're able to stand alone, knowing that the Father is with you, and that is enough peace, that is enough confidence, that's enough joy, that you're able to come through it. Maybe nobody else, maybe your family, maybe even your spouse doesn't understand what's going on in your life. You're standing by yourself. Jesus did. He stood all by himself. At the, when, when he's hanging on a cross, everybody left. Everybody fled. Paul, Paul at one point said, I have nobody left that's like-minded. He said, they've all left me. They've all left me. Joe, how about Joseph, Old Testament? He didn't even have the revelation that we have. His, his brothers forsook him, Potiphar and his wife, the, the keeper of the prison, all these went on. And Joseph had learned how to stand by himself, but in standing by himself, it was preparation. It was preparation to become the prime minister and save the land through a time of famine because of the wisdom that was imparted to him because he had the strength to stand by himself.
See, nobody else can, can make you the possessor of the life of the Father except the Father. And, and, and nobody else can equip you to lead others into the promised land, into the abundant life, into the kingdom except the Father. And that's what he's developing. That's what he's nurturing within you today. Isn't that good? There's, it may seem like there's no way. There's no way. But I'll tell you what the way is. Here, here's another, here's another um, jolt to help your spiritual growth. I want you to know this. You're only going to grow to the dimension that you're willing to walk out the revelation that you see. If you're not willing to live in the revelation that you have today, why would, why, why would the spirit of truth bother to give you any more? You need to utilize and walk in the truth that you have today. All of it that you've received and what that does, it positions you to incrementally become more as he is in this present world. To see the fulfillment of that, what at 1 John 4, 17, to see, to see yourself as he is in this present world. Incrementally, as the spirit of truth reveals, pulls the veil back, shows you, and you begin to walk in it, then he shows you what's next. And I will tell you this, if the Father gives you a revelation, if the Father directs you into a particular thing where you feel like, man, I'm all by myself in this, I don't, I don't have anybody with me. He will give you, if he's given you the vision, the revelation, if he's shown you the promised land, even though the Hivites, the Jebusites, the, all, all those ites are in the land, he will give you the power, the ability, and the strength to be able to go in and possess the land and drive the ites out. Abraham knew how to stand alone. There was no, God made sure, he said, leave your country, leave everybody, leave your kindred, everything familiar. Moses understood that. He was all by himself on the backside of the desert. David understood. He's all by himself out with the sheep, learn how to play a harp. Jesus certainly and Paul by all means. Early church fathers, go back and read how much heresy was, was called and uh, all the adversity that the early church fathers went, went through. You know what? It's because they all went... Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, where David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through it. I don't camp out. Don't feel sorry for myself. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. Didn't say all my friends are with me. Didn't say everybody down the church house was going to support me. Didn't say everybody on the internet was going to appreciate my posts and give me positive feedback. He said, when I walk through even the valley of the shadow of death, that's serious stuff right there. That's when you're laying on the gurney and it don't look like you're going to make it. That's when you're, you're facing the biggest obstacles you've ever faced in your life. You're not by yourself. And that's new for most of us. I'd say the vast majority of us. I've, I've learned to stand alone. I've learned to be by myself. I've learned, as David did, to encourage myself in the Lord when there was nobody else around me to encourage me. Up to this point, most of us have not developed that. We've learned to draw our identity, our security, our joy, our encouragement from other people. And leaders trained us to be that way, honestly. You know, as a pastor, when I was in the building for 50 years, I, I don't think I did it consciously, but I, I made people dependent on the church. I made people dependent on coming to listen to me. And I, that's one reason I love what I'm doing now. I tell you all the time, don't believe what I'm telling you just because I tell you. You go check it out. Ask the Spirit of Truth to make it real to you if it is. And if it's not right, cast it aside. Eat the hay, spit out the sticks, right? That's what Brother Hagin used to say. I, 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 pastors have done that. Fivefold ministry have made us dependent on prophecy. People run all over the country to get a, a prophetic utterance. What in the heck do you think a prophet 
who is full of the Spirit of God is going to tell you who is filled with the Spirit of God, able to hear the voice of God for yourself, what the heck is he going to tell you that the Father cannot tell you yourself? How about this? Covering. Most of you are told, well, don't you come outside church? You're going to come outside covering. Even in ministry, we were drilled. We went to conference. We told you as ministers got to have a covering, an apostolic covering. And all that, all, you know what the whole purpose of that was? To keep us dependent on people. I love people. You, you guys at the Digital Cathedral and the Secret Place on Wednesday, man, you guys encourage me. I, I love being with you. But I tell you what, you're not my identity. You're not my source. I'm free of that. You're free of that. You're, you're free of me. I'm not your source. I'm not the shell answer man. Find it for yourself. Dig it out for yourself. See, we receive joy from people and from circumstances and from surrounding. He's going to wean you off of that because you're in a season. You're coming into a season. Oh, man, I feel, I feel so strong about this where the joy and the contentment and the security is going to spring and well up within you. And you're going to feel a boldness and a confidence in what you're doing that no man could instill within you. The Christ within you is that spring of ever living water. It's the fountain of life. And it's only out of that fountain that rises up within us that can bring forth life and good and nothing any person can say, nothing any person can do or institution or denomination nor any circumstance that comes into your life can destroy it. It's stronger than any of those things that try to get us from the outside. Paul said it like this. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? All I need to know is that me and the Lord are walking hand in hand. Me and the Father agree on this. All I need to know is I heard him say it, I say it. I seen him do it, therefore I do it. That's all I need to know. doesn't matter who's with me and who's against me. Our liberty comes from an understanding of God's thoughts about us that are good. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, he said, I know the thoughts I have for you. They're constructive. They're good thoughts. They're not thoughts to destroy you. They're not thoughts to, to bring pain into your life. How did Paul face all those things, that adversity? We look at it and we go, man, I don't know if I could have made it through that. You know how he did? He knew that everything was going to work to his benefit. That what looked like it was not his benefit was truly his benefit. Now that's, that's a mind shift. That's a, that's a change in the course of life. That's what I was talking about earlier when I first started the teaching, that we need this radical shift in our mind and in our life, where we have to begin to see things entirely different. You may pick up something from a, a New Age book. I'm not afraid to read New Age. I know where I'm at. I'm not afraid to read it. I have picked up thoughts from New Age writers, and I've just put a, a, a spin on it, and I've got an understanding that's totally consistent with what the Spirit of Truth is saying to me. See. But I, never, I would have never had that insight if I hadn't been little, little willing to explore some things. I don't, I don't come here and spout everything I read. No way. Or what, that I watch a video on YouTube. No way. But there are some things that are challenging me. Some things that I'm pondering. Some things that I am open to. Right? we got to know the thoughts. If you think that the thoughts <clears throat> that the Father has for you are different than the thoughts that Jesus the good cop, we see God the bad cop, that's kind of what we were raised with. God's the bad cop, Jesus is a good cop. 
We love Jesus, but man, we're afraid of the Father. If you think that the thoughts of the Father are different than the thoughts of Jesus, who said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, then you're going to serve a schizo God, and you're never going to have confidence. You're never going to have security. Can you understand that? You need to know what the Father thinks about you. Let me give you one thought. Let me challenge you right here. Do you think the Father sees you as a servant, or do you think he sees you as a son? I live most of my life thinking, man, we're servants at best of the Most High God. You know, if you ask me, I'm a servant of God. I'm here, I'm here to serve. Now what that does, that servant mentality, I'm going to tell you something just a minute I don't want you to ever forget. Matter of fact, it's the title of the teaching today. It's going to be next week too because I'm never going to get through it. When you have an idea that you're just a servant or a slave, that makes you a servant and slave to circumstances. You don't think you have power to rise up and change them. You don't think you have the creative ability to speak or imagine how things could be different and then see it come to fruition. It's time to awaken to right thoughts and know that you are not a servant, but a son. Now listen to me. I don't want you to ever forget this. Never forget it. Someday I want you to remember back that old man that used to teach on at the digital cathedral told me this, you young guys. Just like Jesus, you are a son by position. That's your position. Can't be taken from you. It's what you've always had. And like Jesus, you're a servant by manifestation. Now, never confuse your manifestation with your position, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Now, here's the son of the most high God, God in the flesh, the one in whom the fullness of the God had dwelt bodily. And he says, I didn't come to be a minister. I didn't come to, to be served. I came to serve. So he's, he, he manifested himself as a, as a servant. But when you manifest as a servant, you have got to know that fixed in your mind, your real position is sonship. You can't be shaken out of that position. And if you can get that straight in your thinking, man, you can walk bold. You can walk strong. You can walk with confidence. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, Romans chapter 8. Man, I, I'm doing good today. I'm preaching good. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. It says, and if you're children, then you're heirs. So this is, this is part of sonship. You got to know you're a son. And then you begin to understand you're an heir of God. <laughs> that means that whatever he has, he gives to you. Everything he has, his I amness, he gives to you. And you're an heir, a joint heir with Jesus. That's hard, hard to evolve. Now, unless you're willing to read wide, read deep, you're never going to catch on to some of this because... The little stream that you've been in for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years in, in teaching that stuff, in talking about that, that's a little bit too radical. Now he ties something into this, what I was telling you a little earlier. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also be glorified together. Now, I'm not one that teaches that you'll never face adversity. I'm also not one that teaches that suffering is put on you by God. I'm saying because you're in this world, when Jesus prayed, he said, keep them from the evils that is in the world. I'm telling you that when you're in this world, you're going to face, you're going to face opposition. If you stand for the kingdom, however you perceive it, wherever your level of revelation on, is on the kingdom, there can be somebody pushed back against it, most likely church people, church folk. So you, you're an heir. What, have you, what are you an heir of? Here's just a few little suggestions that you're an heir of this morning that are God's. You're heir to his wisdom. You're an heir to his love. You're an heir to his strength. 
the fullness of his life. You're an heir of his power. You're an heir of all of his goodness. Sonship and being an heir means that we have an inlet like Jesus. We, we receive everything we need from the Father. But because you're a son and an heir, you don't hoard it. You have an outlet. You push it back out into society. You push it back out into culture. We're heirs because he chose us and made us an heir strictly through grace, man. That's what's so good about grace. He made me an heir by grace, and he did it even before time. So as an heir, as an heir, I want you to get to know how to collect that inheritance. The inheritance has been deposited within you. And I said some of the things in the inheritance, his wisdom, his life, his strength, um, his, you know, all the things, his power, his goodness, all put within you. Now, you got to learn how to tap into it. And I think one of the keys to tapping in, and I want you to begin to affirm this in your life, it speaks about Jesus, the next verse you. And I just quoted a verse a minute ago. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means within the bodily form of Jesus, the entirety of the Godhead dwelt. Then in verse 9, it says, and you are complete in him. Wow. The joint, the guy in verse 8, I'm a joint heir with. That's mind-blowing. I'm a joint heir with the guy in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. So let me just walk you through this progression. Let me walk you through this. I'll get into this a little deeper next week. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Now I say that the heir, you know the scripture, but I'm going to unwind this baby for you next week. <clears throat> I say that the heir, which is you, as long as he's a child, <clears throat> he's still growing, still developing, does not differ any from a servant, right? He looks like a servant. He has position, but no power. So he looks like a servant. He's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Your time of appointment has come. That's, I hope you are hearing my message this morning. Your time of appointment is here. It's right now in 2022. You've, you, you've walked through the development. You've walked through the stages of sonship. And now he's brought you to a point as he did Jesus, the fullness of time come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. The fullness of the time has come and God is sending you forth. We, 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 we're springing into the inheritance because he says in verse 2, the fulfillment of time is now. He's releasing you. That, that, that fullness means it's time for you to spring forth in everything that he has deposited within you. See, you're free to have dominion over visible material things. And that's why, buddy, you better start reading stuff you've never read before, looking at things you never looked at before, because you need to get some insight on that, and the Spirit of Truth will, will bring it to you through a lot of different avenues. Not just through meditation, contemplation. He will bring it to you through a lot of different attitudes, avenues, but you've got to be open to it. As I said at the start of the teaching, when you come and see something, you need to drop the filter. You need to set your current belief system aside. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're growing, he's adjusting your theology and your belief system almost daily. Almost daily. I'm seeing right now that it's not going to be about belief systems and theology point forward. It's going to be about lifestyle. It's going to be about the way we live in the kingdom. You're no longer a bondservant. You're a son. Do you know why? Because in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. If you, if you can settle this, this sonship issue, 
If you can renew your mind that you're not just an old servant anymore trying to work your way through, if you can renew your mind to that, then you become a searcher of truth. And that's going to, man, that's going to put you outside where you've ever been. Search for truth. And when you search for truth, it's going to make you Christocentric because he is the truth. No truth outside him. He, he holds all the truth. In your development, you've moved past the 5,000. You know, the 5,000 showed up for the loaves and the fish. You've moved past the 70 when you were charismatic. See, a lot of us were charismatic. I'm not a charismatic anymore. But the 70 were charismatic. They were, they were thrilled that they came back and bragged on how devils were subject to them. You, you've moved past the 12 that were looking for an earthly kingdom. They hung with Jesus because they thought he was going to take care of those dirty Romans and set up a kingdom. You're part of the three. He took the three places. He never took the 12. Taught the three lessons. He never taught the 12. Took the three to the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Moses and Elijah, the 12, the 70, the 5,000. Never saw that. You can live on any level you want. I'm, I'm, I'm landing this bus, landing this plane. You can live on any level you want. I say it's time we lived in that circle with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit because it belongs to you. That circle of relationship and fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit belongs to you. Look for the pouring out of love. Look for the pouring out of wisdom. Look for the pouring out of life that will awaken not only you, but has been putting you that you can awaken creation. That creation was groaning like those Egyptian slaves were, the children of Israel. It's groaning for release, and you're coming as the deliverer to release it. All right, I got to stop. I'm over time this morning. I didn't get near as far this morning as I wanted to, so let me just connect. Let me just disconnect the train, take the caboose off, come back next week. I'm going to connect it right here. We're going to keep going point forward. So join me next week for part two on Son by Position, Servant by Manifestation. And we'll talk about this more to Secret Place Wednesday night, 7 Central, on the Don Keithley Ministry page. God bless all you guys. Thank you for hanging in with me. And I can, I can just tell you this, we're going to keep exploring, we're going to keep looking, we're going to keep digging. And the nuggets that God brings to us are going to blow your mind. It's going to shake your cosmos. And everything that can fall off is going to fall off. But what remains is going to be good stuff. And he's going to build on it. See you next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central, right here at the Digital Cathedral. <laughs>